place to talk podcast. Or no, no, no. You know what? I have an even better idea. A place to podcast. Oh, I'll go. I'm Derek. Yeah, I'm done. That's all. I, that's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. I totally, absolutely believe oh. that. You have. Hello, is this Joshua? We're recording this, but this well, the problem yes. was, it was. Hey, Josh. This is Joshua, too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. How are you doing? How's it going? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Sorry you switched your call. I stepped out of the room. No, no problem. I actually, I wasn't, I had turned my phone on to silence so that I didn't get any interruptions while we were recording. And I thought, oh, heck, I've missed his call because I got my phone on silence. So, no, I totally understand. Don't sweat it. So, how's, oh, how are like things it. today? Oh, it's good. It's just chill. <laughs> well good good hey i'm already recording so yeah. so it it's okay so it's it i mean it's not like we have to chat and decide when to start recording i'm uh uh-uh. okay can you hear me yeah yeah how's, how's my Hello, uh, joshua my yeah yeah can you hear me can you hear me now can you hear me oh yeah, yeah i can hear, I can you, hear now. you i can hear you fine okay cool uh, should I, I turn up my volume or no 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 it's perfect i just to... pushed i pushed okay. something and i couldn't figure out what happened and what happened was i actually my my headphones where I'm listening to the recording uh, twisted right. and evidently they weren't working. But uh, we were recording okay. just fine, even though I couldn't hear anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I hear you just fine, bro. Good, good. Well, <laughs> I, I think this will record well, and and uh, we'll have a fun little chat. And I can cut off the beginning here if if we need to or whatever. <laughs> but uh, okay, okay. But anyway, so so tell me, yeah. I. I I started, I don't even know how I discovered your podcast or how I came up with your name or, or anything, <laughs> but somehow at some point right. I saw, I think I saw a video you did actually. I bet that's probably, okay. uh, that's probably how most people meet you is through your videos. Is that right? Right, right. Yeah, it's mostly through my videos. What's so, it called? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, it's mostly through my videos. Oh, mostly through people, your videos. Uh, yeah, I find out about our ministry. Yeah. Stuff, so. I'm so not what, much of a blogger. So what is your what is your ministry? You're in California, right? I'm in Southern California right now. Okay. Um, I, w- I was a missionary uh, for about four years in the Philippines. Okay. Uh, but before that, um, I was you know I was I was born and raised here in LA, pretty much. Um, I was a quote unquote minister, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So I was doing that whole ministry thing. Went to the Philippines. I uh, was a missionary there, and then now I'm back here. I'm pretty much doing the same thing that I was doing in the Philippines, just uh, going around, traveling, and speaking, pretty much. And yeah, that's pretty much it. So, and so where uh, where are you? So you were born and raised in Southern California, but yep. your your ethnicity is from where? I'm Filipino. Okay, okay. I was wondering yeah. when I li- <laughs> I listened to one of your messages today, and I guess you were doing. Okay. I guess it was in. In the Philippines, it was. I could talk all day about just that message. It was just. It was. I loved it. Uh, it's. Okay. I guess. I guess I love stuff when it's when it just connects. I know that you're. I know it's the same stuff that I'm teaching, and and it's so refreshing okay. to know that that there are other people out there that are as nuts or as crazy as I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We look. We look crazy to a lot of people, you know. Yeah. But uh, it's all. <laughs> I'm sure you're not crazy to me. You know, we're crazy I, I, together. It's all I, good. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're probably right. I think our our stories are probably a lot the same. But when you, when I heard that, you mentioned that you were a missionary in the Philippines, and I'm thinking, oh, I was guessing you were yeah. Filipino, and then yeah, and then I'm thinking people think I'm Chinese. <laughs> uh, then I was thinking maybe you were a Filipino as a missionary in Southern California, and then I thought, no, that's not right, because then you ca- I think you were in the Philippines when I heard, when this sermon was recorded. Is that possible? 
I wish I could. I, I would go to my phone and and click it, but we're okay. talking on that, and I don't want to mess something up. But you you were talking about yeah, yeah. you were basically just explaining uh, grace. You were explaining the fact that it's a done deal. You mentioned First uh, Peter one three in there, and uh, oh, okay, yeah, Why my message about inclusion, right? Yeah, that was it. That's it. T- tell me the title of yeah. that. Uh, well, there's two. There's uh, the adoption and inclusion of humanity, yeah. and there was another one called um, "Are We Really Preaching the Finished Work of Christ?" Okay, I was listening to the adoption yeah. and inclusion of humanity. Okay, where, where was yeah, that, that was recorded at? That was in the Philippines. That yeah. was at a church called uh, Grace Communion International. Okay, so that's a denomination. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but they're uh, they're a denomination that preaches that inclusion as well. Yeah, so that's pretty good to know. <laughs> so you're not affiliated with that with that with that <clears throat> denomination? No, for some reason people think that I am. I guess because I hang out with them so much, uh, at least in the Philippines. And just this past Sunday, that was actually the first time that I spoke at a, a GCI Grace Community International Church here <clears throat> in California. So, uh, but in the Philippines, I was speaking at uh, you know I was I was privileged enough to speak at a lot of them, especially in the, the Manila area in the Philippines. Yeah. So they were actually the denomination or the church that really embraced um, the teachings that my wife and I share. Because you know, in the Philippines, they're not this, this message is not that common yet. Yeah. Right. So it's GCI not that common is, anywhere, guess, is it? The, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, get, it's getting there. You know. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it is um, growing. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why we were able to, uh, in the Philippines, just connect with a lot of people without feeling judged. I mean, because that, that denomination itself, they were, you know, they're looked at as people kind of like way out there, you know, because of that, that radical belief of God's grace and his inclusion of humanity. So, so you were at a, a GCI church in the Philippines? Yeah. So what a... Yeah, so that was, I mean, I wasn't part of them. I was just good friends with a lot of them, of yeah. the president. They kind of just threw me around, like when I spoke at one church, oh, let's speak over here. So I, I kind of went around the Manila area just sharing and um, not holding back on a lot of my my, my ideas and um, did a lot of, like, gatherings of Q&A to just, like, talk about everything, like everything. And I guess what I appreciated about them was that they were telling them, telling me their history because, you know, they've been through a lot because they were formerly the Worldwide Church of God. I don't yes. know if you're familiar with that. Well, and actually, so I, had that, yeah. yeah. I, I'm in yeah, Hickory, North Carolina, and I okay. I got to know a guy in Hickory, and okay. we we had lunch a few months, maybe maybe six months ago, and we sat, sat at lunch, and, and I told him what I believed, and he said, Josh, I've never heard anybody explain our theology who wasn't a part of GCI, and I went, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And and so yeah, yeah same, our, our <laughs> same same kind of theology, but I've never been associated with GCI either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I pretty much I get the same response every time they introduce me. They're like, you know, Josh is not part of GCI, but he's a friend of GCI. You know, so um, yeah, they're just really good, open people. I, I just feel like within that denomination itself. Uh, their DNA is that they're just so open to learn because of their past history, you know, kind of, uh, you, know, you know, you know their history, right? So, I mean, they weren't really opening to question during that time when they were the Worldwide Church of God. So right. because of that whole tradition of uh, evangelicalism, then they were willing to say, hmm, you know, maybe 
it's okay to question and to explore certain ideas. And so with, when I would speak there, I even share some ideas to them that are really um, out there for even some people that are preaching grace, you know, like they didn't even give me a hard time at all. You Isn't know, that so cool? that's one of the things I really appreciate about them. So, yeah, yeah I love that. We're on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> we have the same name, you know, so I'm sure we're preaching the same thing. <laughs> same name. Did you, did you see the building in Manila where the th- Thrilla in Manila took place? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I've, I've yeah, been yeah, to... Yeah, yeah. I've been to Manila too as a yeah, back then I was I was just teaching discipleship and uh and so so I've been okay, there. I wonder if awesome. I wonder if we've been in any of the same churches that would be cool. Yeah, yeah, Philippines it's, it's a beautiful place. You know, I miss I miss being there. Uh to be honest sometimes um just I, I grew a lot there. That's actually where uh a lot of like my shifting happened, you yeah. know. And so that's why when I came back here in America a lot of people are surprised. You know what I'm believing. These so, how days. long have you been uh, back? Uh, I think about five, five or six months. It was uh, November. Oh last wow! Year. Okay, so yeah, so, so just pretty, since November of twelve. Yeah, and okay. uh, this is the first time for my wife. So she's brand new to America. She's not a. She's not well. She's Filipino, but she was born and raised in Kuwait for her entire life. So wow! Just like bring her here. Uh, everything's new to her, <laughs> you know, Disneyland, going in and out, like all those things. Uh, that's that's totally new to my wife, so it's kind of fun for me, even though I, I'm familiar with all these places, just to be able to take my wife. and So it's kind of new for me because I get to share it with her this time. So how long have you been married? Pretty cool. Um, exactly two years, uh, just last March. Uh, two years in March. Yeah, March, March 27th, so we celebrated our anniversary just not too long ago. Let's give stuff. That is, that's great. Good. Did y'all meet in the <laughs> Philippines, or in, or were you in Kuwait for some reason? Yeah. No, no, no. Um, we met in the Philippines, and she came to a gathering that I had. We actually met before um, we had our gathering. She, it's funny because she has a twin, and yeah. so I actually met the twin first, and the twin was in Kuwait, and the twin told me uh, through the Internet, saying, oh, I have a, <clears throat> I have a sister there already in Philippines. So I met, I met my wife the very next day. Uh, fell in love, whatever you want to call it, and I hit it off from there. And then we got together after two weeks, and then uh, not so long after that, got engaged and then got married um, exactly on the same day that we got together, which was March 27th. Oh, so you got married so, one year later. Yeah. That it was, is cool. it, was, it was a good good stuff. <laughs> her so, name is Remy. So was, she, yeah. was, her, was her background kind of already on this grace journey, the radical grace things, or was yeah. that— and, and honestly, I think that's what uh, kind of drew me to her in, in a way. I yeah. mean, um, I mean, aside from just her, you know, she's cute. <laughs> <laughs> right. She's, she's cute, so that helps, right? Uh, but when I was talking to her the first day that I met her, uh, she was just sharing her heart, and uh, you know, she wasn't trying to be anybody. And she, and she, you know, she was just telling me how she was starting to, you know, she heard about Joseph Prince when she was in, you know, Joseph Prince. Uh, a him. little bit. I know who he is. I've, I've yeah. seen a few messages, but that's about it. Yeah, so I mean, he preaches um, this whole whatever you call radical grace thing, and she had an idea about it when she was in Thailand, because she was in Thailand studying film for about 16 months. And so she just had a little taste of it from her friends. Um, but when she came to the Philippines, uh, she shared to me that she heard a little bit about it, and it just really 
was affecting her life in a positive way. And so, um, yeah, so I think that's one of the things that, you know, why we kind of hit it off because our hearts are both just like tired of the whole religion and uh, just trying to be honest with ourselves about, you know, our experiences. I mean, she went to like the biggest evangelical church in Kuwait, you know, so she's been to that whole, you know, thing, you yeah, know, yeah. being part of worship game and uh, just kind of going through that whole ministry stuff. And uh, and when she came to the Philippines, the way she describes it is like, she heard about grace in Thailand, but when she came to the Philippines, it's kind of like in-your-face grace. Because my whole group in the Philippines, uh, we were all sharing the grace message everywhere that we went and, uh, you know, just not holding back or pulling any punches. And so that's when she kind of got like a like a heavy dose of it, <laughs> you know, with my from my friends who just really just loved on her, yeah. you know, for who she was and uh, didn't care about, you know, becoming her friend so she could be part of ministry or anything like that. It was like nothing like that. They just like loved on her for who she was. And but... so, yeah, so now she's by my side. Um, she's with me every time that I preach, and she's with me every time I, I minister. And so How cool she's is been that? A big Very okay. cool, huh? <laughs> okay. From hearing your story, you know, you and I kind of dialogued back and forth by email, and, and we were yeah. like, I wasn't sure where we would go. But here's where I'm thinking. I'm wondering, okay. you know, what, what, what did God want you and I to talk about today? I'm wondering if this is the direction. I'll tell you what I'm thinking, and you tell me what you think. I would okay. like to hear your story, like where— your theology as a kid and how you were raised and then that transition from from evangelicalism to radical grace. And then okay. a part of our, we're kind of, the people that I meet with, a place to talk, are kind of on yeah. that same journey. We're, we're evangelicals. We're a Southern Baptist church until they kick us out, um, <laughs> which, which I okay. could expect that any day now. Um, right, right, so, right. <laughs> so we're Southern Baptist Associated Church, but we are on this journey of just beginning to believe that that radical grace that that basically that that it was finished at the cross. I mean, I've heard you talk about that, and I think yeah. we're on the same page there. Um, I've yeah. been on this yeah. journey for about six years, and yeah. I have been for about six years, kind of slowly coming out of the closet with <laughs> with. Uh, with sharing this with the people around me and over this six year yeah. period of time, they're starting to get it. So I'm one, but here's where we don't know that this is what we don't know. Next, we get the message. We're sharing the message yeah. in our lives, but you talked about how in the Philippines, how you were, you were sharing the message and you had people sharing the message and they were always sharing it. And I wonder if yeah. we need to get some advice from you about, about what it looks like. Mm. I, I've 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 done evangelism explosion. I've I've taken yeah. Uh, there, there was a period of time we were taking s the church I was at formerly. Um, myself and another guy were 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 leading seventy two teams of three out every Tuesday night, knocking on doors and asking mm -hmm. people if they were sure they were going to hell, so that we could get them to heaven. Yeah. So I've done yeah, that, yeah. but I don't yeah. I don't know if I'm if I'm figured out really yet. Other than just relationship and grace, how to yeah. how to share the, gospel, the the message of grace, and so maybe you can kind of start with your, kind of tell us a little bit about where you started from, and then about the transition, okay. and then let's talk about how do how do we tell the world this message now? Yeah, you mean like you want me to start from the beginning? Since I was like a kid. <laughs> since you were like what? Since I was like a kid, you want yeah to yeah like, yeah. I'd love I to start? hear that. Where, oh, where, okay. What what, what oh. were you raised like? 
I was raised in uh, a very charismatic church. It was a Assemblies of God denomination. Okay. You familiar with that? Yeah, yeah I'm so familiar. very like, you know, into the spirit food, yes. Uh, but they, our church was very influenced by something called the Word of Faith. Yeah. So that's stuff that you see a lot on like TBN. So we were like the, the Asian hub in Los Angeles that was really in that whole um, charismatic scene that you would see on like television and all that stuff, like our church. Right. At the Dream Center. I don't know if you're familiar with the Dream Center. So we were like the Filipino branch within that Dream Center compound. Whatever now, you want to call it. Who was the Dream Center? What was the, the, the big head uh, the pastor? Dream Center guy? Is, 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 yeah, it was Matthew Barnett and Tommy Barnett is like, I guess, one of the main pastors, the main yeah. pastors of this whole Dream Center thing. But within that compound, or base, whatever you call it, it's made up of like dozens of churches, depending okay. on your like ethnicity. You know, so we were the Filipino branch. Okay. And so, I mean, we have people like Benny Hinn and like, you know, the, the quote unquote big timers, you know, from CBN coming there. Um, so I was raised in that kind of environment, and I don't know if you've been to my website and if you've, you've read my about page. Did you were you able to see my about page? I've or? definitely been to your not website. Yet. Whether or not I saw the about page, okay. I'm not sure. Yeah, and so just a little bit of my background. So this might throw people off in case you weren't. I was born with only one hand. I don't know if you're aware of that. No, I had no idea. Yeah, and so I grew up in that in a church where <clears throat> it was all about the miraculous and the healing. And when I was a kid, uh, being born with only one hand, like um, I was, I, I struggled with it a lot, you know. So I was, I was teased a lot and stuff. And so, <clears throat> as a child, when you're when you're going to a church that promises you healing and you know God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So every almost you know every day, pretty much, I was like pretty much begging God, you know, for that you know to be healed, to have two hands. And so I, I grew up in that environment my whole life. You know, um, that whole stream of like Morris Cerullo, Benny Hinn, you know, all of those things in, in Los Angeles. And I reached a point when I was 17 years old when I was going to give it like one last shot, so to speak. And I heard that a famous healer was in town. He was in Anaheim, California. Yeah. And so giving it one last shot. Okay. I, I told all my friends, I'm going to go to this miracle crusade. I'm going to come back with two hands. And so I go to this crusade, uh, long story short, I went there two days in a row and I didn't get healed. That messed me up, like big time, you know. I mean, because there I was, I was screaming and crying out for God to heal me. And I told a lot of my friends at my, my public school that I'm going to be healed, you know, telling my non-Christian friends so they could become Christian, <laughs> you know, that so they could end up believing in my, in my supernatural God, right? And so after that moment, it's not like I was really angry at God, but it, I was really confused you know, um, just in my mind and very discouraged in my faith. And, and then I was introduced to apologetics at that time. And so when I got into apologetics, um, I don't know how familiar you are with apologetics, but at least with the majority of the North American, you know, Christian apologists, right. they're not very charismatic. In fact, they're very, in many ways, they're very anti-charismatic. They're very critical of it, you know, right. where they would even label like almost, everything on TV and that's heretical or something like that. You know, they kind of paint a broad brush. I didn't grow up with, with specifically, you know, a huge apologetic uh, thinking. But at the same time, I did grow up in such a fundamental Southern Baptist way that, yeah, we almost, we almost mocked the, uh, the, the things that like, yeah, yeah, sure. 
and and so so I completely understand where you're coming from. Yeah, we we yeah. were there. Yeah, so I, I basically, you know, that whole apologetic role was so new to me. Yeah. Um, I didn't know anything about it, about defending the faith. So I started questioning, and uh, my teacher at the time, she was a she was a Christian apologist. She actually helped out this one well-known uh, Christian apologetics ministry, and she taught me about her faith and uh, about defending the faith. And from that time, I, I got into that whole intellectual Christianity deal. And without mentioning any names, so she introduced me to some popular Christian apologetic authors, and I just really um, got so absorbed in that whole world where my mentality became very anti-charismatic, and everybody that didn't hold to my evangelical worldview was pretty much heretical, or they were cultic, and and then I had my bad experience to to combine that, you know, with my lack of healing, and um, and so I, I I got into that whole stream for about eight years believe it or not, <laughs> eight years. I was very, very anti-charismatic, uh, and I ended up going to a Bible school that was known for apologetics, and um, and still kind of went on with my little tirade against the charismatic world. And then in about in, in 2006, um, it's funny because I actually convert quote-unquote, converted a lot of people who were charismatics to become conservative. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. I would tell them my story, and then I would use my arguments that I learned from my apologetic guys. Right. But in 2006, I, I, I met a person who was miraculously healed, and I didn't know how to explain it. And um, long story short, that led me on a journey to re-enter that whole charismatic, supernatural world all over again. Like and that was like a huge shift because everybody knew me as the guy that was anti-charismatic. You know, yeah. like I, every like no matter who you were, like you could even sound very logical, but if you don't give me any documentation, I won't believe you. Right. You know, so I was very very skeptical. So I did that for eight years. So I met this guy, and that that kind of led me on this whole other journey going back again into healing, and um, and it just opened up my eyes that there were all these other people in this whole charismatic world that were not, they didn't look goofy to me. They didn't look crazy to me, you know, because when I was skeptical, like, that whole world looked kind of crazy to me, you know, like, it all looked like they didn't seem very intelligent to me, to be honest. Right. You know, it looked like it was all a lot of hype or, you know, exaggerations, And but then I found out that there was a stream of uh, intellectuals that were getting rocked um, by the Holy Spirit and, and getting into that whole healing thing. So I got into that for a couple of years, and I was, and I actually, um, I ended up leaving that church in Los Angeles. Forgot to mention that I, I ended up leaving that church because it was a charismatic church, and I became a skeptic, right? So I ended up leaving right. that church, yeah. And I ended up teaching apologetics at a, at a Korean church in K Town, in Los Angeles. So I started doing that, and then I got hired, <clears throat> got hired at Southern Baptist Church. Um, and I served there for several years. I was a pastor there, so I was very. They were very happy with my anti-charismatic stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's and, uh, that's my so world. There you go. Stuff. And uh, but when I was at that Southern Baptist Church, that's when my shift happened. Yeah. When I started to open myself up into healing, and that became a problem for my church. Yeah. And that's when they were accusing me of trying to be a Betty Hinn there, you know. And many of them are very much into apologetics too. They're very intellectual leadership. And so when I started <clears throat> talking about healing, you know, they weren't too happy about it. And so I did that for a couple of years, believe it or not. And, and I was wrestling with it back and forth, struggling with, you know, should I stay? Should I leave? 
and then um and then I just eventually <clears throat> I just ended up leaving the church um and kind of doing my own thing you know because it was hard to to try to make myself fit in, a, in an environment that I just I just wasn't fitting and so during that time I noticed that my my language even started to change my ministry started to change where this is just my experience when I started to delve into the whole charismatic world, um, just to be honest, I, I felt like that there was more of a like an intimate language. Um, like with the books that I was reading, um, it seemed a lot more gracious. Because when, when I got into that whole intellectual type of Christianity, a lot of stuff was very black and white. And I noticed I, I became very uh, judgmental. You know, like like every time I'm, I'm in a sermon listening to a guy preach, I, I'm just very, 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 very critical. Yeah. Or I was always just debating about predestination or Calvinism or Arminianism, Molinism, like all these things. And I got I got heavy into philosophy and stuff like that. And it's not bad, you know, to get into all philosophy, but I just noticed my attitude um, when I became more conservative. I just became very judgmental. And right. like I said, I'm just speaking from my own experience. And then um, when I got into that charismatic world, like I said, um, I just noticed my language started to change. I started to to hear these preachers talk about the love of the Father, you know, the intimacy of Papa, you know, stuff like that, you know, or or just intimacy among brothers and sisters, or, or, or even when there are these charismatic leaders that fell, so to speak. They fell into sin. I just noticed the charismatic world, more gracious than the than the guys who were not as you know they were more conservative they, they didn't seem as kind yeah you know when, when someone fall into sin and they would just call them like a reprobate or someone that was never regenerated in the first place right things like that you know and so I started to have this huge shift of, of that like that taste of grace right and then um like in 2008 I finally had this revelation of grace about this whole idea between law and grace. You know, like it never just dawned on me, like, yeah, you know, it's like it's either one or the other, but my whole life I was kind of mixing the two, you know. And when you're in this whole charismatic stream, I don't know how familiar you are with this whole world of revival. Like there's this whole stream of like revival, praying for revival, continue. So I, I entered that world for several years when I was in Bible school. Right. And uh, predominantly, it was mostly the Asian scene, and they were, like, really hardcore, and like, hardcore, hardcore revivalists, where I would be, like, praying at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I see these old grandmas, like, on their knees, praying out loud to God, you know, for a revival. And I'm like, wow, these, these old grandmas are even more hardcore than a lot of these young people, you know? And so I, I really got caught up in that world of, um, in my mind, it was become... It's become a, a work mentality, right. you know. Whereas, like you have you have to earn, you have to pay the price, you have to contend, you have to pray until there's a breakthrough, you have to fast forty days, and so I did all that um, for several years, and I got really tired. Yeah. And then, like I said, in 2008, I started having this revelation of grace, where I started to see this distinction between the law. In grace, where it was added, you know, one or the other, and not a mixture of the two, and so that really, that really messed me up in a good way. Yeah, and absolutely. I started to, um, I started to try it out, <laughs> you know, in the sense that um, I stopped trying to earn 
you know, and start, I stopped crying out to God and begging God for all these things, and I just started to live my life just living under this revelation that God just loves me unconditionally no matter what. How and amazingly I had a refreshing history. that is, right? Yeah. It's very liberating. And I and I started, you know, I, I have a healing ministry, whatever you want to call it. So I started doing healing um, without getting caught up in that works mentality of earning and praying long and fasting. And lo and behold, I, I started seeing results of healing without doing all that work. And that's what kind of threw me off because I wasn't paying the price. I was just believing. And then some of my friends would notice that because they were fasting for 10 days, 22 days, some would even try 40 days, and they weren't getting the results that I was getting. And so I was getting a little bit confused. Maybe this grace stuff is really true, and I would still go into some healing um, events that I would do, and I would pray for the sick, and I didn't even do long prayers before I, I did the service. You know, I didn't have to kind of prime the pump and, you know, ask God to <laughs> You didn't have to talk God into that. it. Yeah, I didn't have to say, God, pour out your spirit. I didn't do it. I, I just started to believe that everything that I need, I already have in Christ. Yeah. And so I did that, um, and that's what really changed my life. And so that's the mentality that I had right before the Philippines. And so it was still kind of fresh to me when I went to the Philippines as a missionary. And um, But when I was there, I just went full on. I delved into studying more about, you know, this whole idea of, of, of law and grace and radical grace, whatever you want to call it. But then uh, a couple years later, I got kind of rocked because um, I started messing with an idea that, you know, this whole idea of the finished work of Christ, right? right you know, but then I still noticed that I, I kept putting it on people that you have to believe. You have to believe, 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 right. believe, right. believe in order to become in order to become God's child, in order to become saved, in order to become regenerated, in order to have the Holy Spirit. But I remember, even when I was preaching the Radical Grace message in the Philippines, I didn't realize it, but I was still stuck on penal substitutionary theory. Right, right. You know, because there's a lot of people within the grace stream that they're preaching a Radical Grace message because they're no longer under grace, but there's, the foundation of it is penal substitution. And I started to notice that when I was preaching it in the Philippines, I, would, I, I remember saying a statement in a lot of my sermons where I would say, and all of God's wrath is put on His Son, so you will never be punished ever again because Jesus was punished for you. So I would do that many times when I was in the Philippines. And, but for some reason, it came to a point when I would say that, and I felt very uncomfortable saying that. And nobody told me that it was wrong. Right. Just, but, but when I would say it, I would text myself, and all of God's wrath was put on His Son. <laughs> you know, and I would hear myself say that, but I, I would just say it because I was kind of taught it. Yeah. Some of the great preachers still teach that. And so I started wrestling with the idea, you know, did God really pour out His wrath on His Son so He wouldn't have to do it, pour it out on me? And then I started to kind of play with those ideas and, and kind of start to deconstruct this whole idea of the atonement and just what is the gospel, and, you know, were we ever separated from God, or or, or do you need to believe in order to be born again? And so that messed me up when I started to, you know, mess around with those ideas for about, like, like two weeks, I didn't get any sleep, because really? my mind, yeah, because, like, when my wife found out that I was playing with those ideas, I didn't know what to believe anymore because I was already taking so many hits in the Philippines, you know, being warned as a cult leader, as a heretic, because I was already preaching, quote-unquote, radical grace. Right. 
people, if I'm going to be preaching that everyone's already reconciled and born again, justified, I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, so I would get these invitations to speak at a church, and I would reject all of them. Because yeah. I didn't, I was too scared to preach. I told my wife, I'm, I'm like, what if, you know, all this stuff that I've been preaching on Radical Grace, what if it's wrong too? <laughs> you know, and I was getting kind of scared. So for about two weeks straight, my wife could testify to this. She would still see me up like five in the morning reading Call Bart or T.F. Torrance and, you know, Baxter Cougar, uh, you know, like a lot of these folks, um, like they were so new to me, you know, and I was just like getting really, to be honest, I was really confused where I just, I couldn't sleep because my mind just thinks about these things almost 24-7. Yeah. And I just sound kind of crazy, but um, then I would just go to bed like at five in the morning talking to my wife like about hell and like we're starting to like question our view of hell, you know, because I would I would defend, you know, my typical view of hell, you know, that I've right. been learned, you know, from apologetics, which is the infernalist view, the eternal cause. So I started to rethink everything, the atonement, life after death, you know, I started exploring universalism and all those things that, like, I, to I'll be honest, those things used to make me feel very uncomfortable several years ago if I just heard the term. You know, <laughs> just like if I find out someone's a universalist, you know, stay away from those guys. Absolutely. Hey, man. So, um, <laughs> let me tell you, let me just stop you for a minute and tell you that so far, everything you've said that that <laughs> you may think, hey, people might think this is crazy or what's going on. Hey, this is everything you've said. It. It could be my story. I mean, I could, you know, change yeah. a few little details, and it's the I've been on the exact same journey, and every single one of the well, I've never been a faith healer. I've never, I've never, I've never taken those steps. I've never done those things. Yeah. Um, now, yeah. I, you know, we have. I have been, you know, gone with a couple guys to the hospitals and just looked for people to pray for and see what God does. Sure, and sure. Uh, but, yeah. but I don't know that I've ever gone quite that far. But as far as as you have been, but. But at the same time, everything that you're talking about, I totally relate to. I totally relate to reading yeah. all night and being confused. Right. So, so yeah, hey, you're, you're preaching my story, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I just started to realize when I was in the whole evangelical world, you know, like I said, just speaking for myself, I, I just noticed the dogmatism where it's like I was so certain about a lot of things. You know, it's like when you ask me a question, oh, here's my answer. You know, it's it's like I knew it all, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and these days, just to be honest, and, and I know people, they don't, they don't like this about me. Some people have actually told us about me. They don't, they don't like the idea that I'm uncertain about certain ideas, <laughs> you know, when they ask me a question and then I'll say, you know, I don't, I don't know anymore, <sighs> you know, or like what happens to you when you die. And I'll, you know, I'll, I'll share some of my, my speculation, but I'm not as dogmatic as I used to be. And, I, and I've had people tell me, then, Josh, why are you preaching? You know, it's like, here you are, you know, you're preaching and you're not even sure with what you believe, you know. And, and I don't think they're really catching my heart. Like, I don't even think those people know what they really believe. It's just the artist, you know. It's like if you really grill, if you grill them enough. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I think that's the problem. Yeah, the difference between the man who is teaching and sharing the truth and and the man or, or, and 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 saying I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, and the dif- the difference between him and the guy who's always giving the answer and saying he knows is yeah. it's not a it's not an issue of of knowing or not, it's an issue of telling the truth. I mean, 
Right. We we right. I I just had this. I thought I was supposed to have the answer for everything, and if I didn't know the answer, I just <laughs> repeated something I'd read, something I'd been taught all my life. Yeah. Even when yeah. I doubted it, I, we used to tell yeah. each other, "Hey, if you're not sure, yeah. just say it louder and harder so that you'll convince yourself." <laughs> <laughs> it's nuts. Right, right, right. So so I, I'm so glad to hear people saying, "Hey, yeah. I don't know." There's questions I still have yeah. questions for. Them. Yeah. And, you know, for me, that's not to say that I don't know certain things in the sense that I don't have good reasons for what I believe. You know, Absolutely. Like, like if, I, if, I, if I were to die for my faith, in a sense, um, I, like, I wouldn't be afraid to die for love. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like I wouldn't be willing to deny the, the, the truths that I believe in about God's love of humanity and that God is inside it. I mean, I, I believe those things. Right. And if you were to try to change my mind, you would have to try to persuade me otherwise. So there are some things that I know, in a sense, that totally that, that knowledge is just it's just like a it's a belief uh, uh, based based on good reasons. So I have a lot of good reasons for what I believe. But can I be wrong? Uh, yeah. Um, but you know, for some certain issues, you, you you would have to persuade me a lot right. when it comes to certain issues. But some other things. About the afterlife, or you know, the atonement theories. Yeah, let, we could we could play around with those ideas, um, but to be dogmatic about them, I think I think we should be a little bit hesitant, you know, because a lot of people, even in the, the early church, they couldn't even agree with <laughs> each other, you know. And so, um, I've just seen on how a lot of people, like ever since I got here, bro, just to be honest, like I, I have lost a lot of my friends, you know, and that's what kind of surprised me, yeah, you know, because um, I actually came back here. Part of my reason was because I actually missed my friends. Right. You know, and um, because a lot of them were in ministry and they didn't treat me as a minister. They just treated me like a buddy. You know, that's what I kind of missed. But in the Philippines, it was always like I was the ministry. Right. So I come back here and uh, just a lot of my friends, they want nothing to do with me. You know, they don't even, and it's wild, you know, some of them have told me, you're not my brother anymore. You're never going to preach with us ever again. You know, and that was like the second day that I arrived to America. I heard that. I was like, oh, I, it really caught me off guard. I, I guess they were following my, my teachings in the Philippines. I had no clue. Yeah. You know, and so they were calling me a heretic. If I was in their country, in Korea, I would be a cult leader. And, <laughs> and so I started to see just, you know, by logical extension, what happens if you hold to this very exclusive God. And if you believe that God is exclusive, you end up becoming very exclusive, too. Right. And I just saw how I don't think this world is supposed to be like that. <laughs> right? You're, I totally so, understand. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I have, there's a, I there's a guy here in the community who, who I, listen to, I listen to his sermons quite, well, not, not a lot, but I've listened to him lately because I, I've, he's, he's been posting on Facebook and posting on his public forums about the cult leader, the the blasphemer, the uh, the apostate Josh McDowell. He keeps talking about me, and so I hear him talking about me in his sermons. He calls Tim Tebow and, and and Josh McDowell apostates, and he he says he's glad he's not like Billy Graham or John Piper who have entertained false teachers like the horrible Josh McDowell. <laughs> so so yeah, I can I can relate to the to loss of this. This was a groomsman in my wedding. Uh, this he, guy... he probably put Jesus on his list too as a cult leader also. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. No, it's all good. Uh, we're, all, we're all on the same boat. It comes with the territory. And it's all good. Yeah. 
you know, there's there's a, there's a lot of love out there. I'm sure you get at, at the same time. And Absolutely. I'm sure that yeah. although you probably lost some friends or I've lost friends, like God has put wonderful people in my life, especially when I needed some encouragement that they would just encourage me. Certainly. I get a handful of, of negative emails, you know, telling me I'm going to hell, and then you get another, <laughs> I get another handful of emails telling me, um, you know, it's just it's been it's a liberating message that we're sharing. Yes. So, you know, God is so just so good, you know, and just in my life when I when I really need encouragement because I, I think we all need it, you know. I'm not just like, you know, this man of steel that I'm just like I don't get. I, there are times where I, where it could affect, just to be honest, you know, because I get I get so many negative emails. Like people don't even realize how much you know that I get that are like it looks like they're essays. You know, like <laughs> man, they spend so much time. You know, right. that they have better to do with their life than to write like two or three long emails. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't even read the whole thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, when the email shows up and it's three pages long, I realize they're not yeah. my friend. <laughs> they're they're not they're yeah. not telling me how much they love me. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean for the most part I don't even I don't even read the majority of like the long emails, but I do read some, and um, and and I do read it because I I want to read because I want to be open. Yeah, you know, I'm with you to correction and and what if what if I'm wrong? Right. Uh, but there but there have been times where people have tricked me, where they would put like titles in their email saying thank you, and then when I click it, it's just a total attack. Right. <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, it, it's been pretty wild, you know. But like I said, God's God's been good on the other side where. I'm extremely encouraged that there's people like you, you know, having your podcast and willing to step out because the only way this this culture is going to change is when somebody speaks up. Yeah. So I applaud you, Josh. You're well, doing hey, a good I, job. The the reason I do this now <laughs> is because I went through that season of time where I was very critical, like like you talked about, and uh, <laughs> and I went through this season of time where I I just felt like my job was to 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 point out the errors in Calvinism and point out the errors in this and that. And, and, and then I, I didn't like myself. I said, God, what is this? I I don't even like me. And so, so, uh, so I've decided, Hey, I'm going to promote people that are, that are teaching God's radical love. And so, so uh, that's why I wanted to talk to you. So tell, tell me about what were some of the things that were happening in the Philippines when people were just sharing the grace message? Yes, it's pretty wild, you know, because I didn't have quote unquote like a church church. Right. So I actually, I actually, it's funny though. I did plan a church in like in Manila. Yeah. And um, the, the the actual city is called Makati. Okay. And uh, our our church was growing extremely fast, like by God's grace. Like um, like every week people were just coming in. Even like some famous people were coming in. Because we were like the new church that had the young people that were preaching radical grace and were teaching people how to heal the sick. And I guess at, in, in the Philippines, I guess that's a rare thing, you know, because you don't hear much of the radical grace, and neither do you see a lot of the young people that are not pastors healing the sick, because typically it's just the leadership that heals the sick, you know, who has the gifting. And so our, our group was going really fast, and uh, what happened was, when it was growing so fast, I, I didn't know what to do anymore because um, I'm not I'm not a church planner. This was so new to me, you know. And then somebody gave me the book, so you don't want to go to church anymore, which yeah. I'm sure you're familiar. With, yeah, I love like, it. Because you know Wayne Jacobson. And so here I am. I, I had this book, and it messed me up because I like what was going on with my church because we were like the new thing, and a lot of people were being changed and people, you know, being healed. But I, 
I could I could be honest with myself and say there are times that I didn't want to have meetings all the time because I saw these people so much during the week. Like we totally lived out the organic life during the week, and then we have a Sunday service. You know, that's kind of like more formal. The bigger it got, the more formal it got. Right. You know, so it got kind of weird, right? Like it kind of shifted the way we, 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 we talk in ways. And, and so this message was spreading so much because, um, yeah, just our group of friends were just so overwhelmed by this message of grace. Like no one had to do evangelism. Like we don't even use that word. You know, we just share it whenever we go to bars. Like the nightlife in the Philippines is very normal. Unlike here in America, it's like it's pretty taboo if a right. Christian goes to a bar or something. But um, it's pretty normal there. And so uh, my friends and I, like we, the nightlife, we would stay out. Like on average, like a normal day for me, I would come home at four in the morning. Oh, wow. Um, that's just like literally every day, literally. It wasn't the weekends. It would be every day. And I was so surprised on how powerful this grace message was impacting these people's lives. I mean, these people would have these radical transformations where I didn't even have to tell them to stop doing anything, but they would just stop doing what they were doing because they were being transformed by God's love. And so this started to spread. And uh, without naming um, a lot of these popular churches in the Philippines, they started getting a hold of my message. Um, thank God for the Internet, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah. so that started to cause a ruckus in a lot of the in a lot of the mega churches in the Philippines where I was starting to be looked at as um, someone that you need to stay away from. Okay. And so in the Philippines, they're not, they don't talk on the phone very much. It's just cheaper to text each other. So my name would be on people's cell phones where they would show me their texts and say, hey, Josh, people are, look, look at this text. It's saying that you're a cult leader. <laughs> you know? And all wow. of this, I got a little bit nervous. You know, because I was the guy that was supposedly sheep stealing, which was not true because I didn't even ask anybody to come to our church. It's just, right. you know, there's a power of word of mouth, which is just so amazing, you know. Um, and so it started to spread within our small group, in a sense, where we didn't have these church services. We, we stopped going to church, and we started to be the church. Yeah. And everywhere we went, and believe it or not, we saw each other almost every day where we didn't have to ask each other at the end of the week, how was your week? Because we saw each other every day. And right. our friends would just share to everybody that they saw. We would heal the sick, and then we would share the grace message. And it just spread like wildfire, you know, where it got to the point where I just wanted to leave the Philippines because the criticisms I was receiving was too much for me. And I was still single at the time, so it's not as encouraging when you're living alone, you know, and you're, and you're hearing all these negative things. And so... Believe it or not, the time that I was about to leave the Philippines, I actually told my friends I'm going back to America because um, this is too much for me, the criticism I was receiving. And um, I was, I'll, I'll be honest, I was kind of dis I was encouraged because of what was happening, but I was discouraged at the same time. And I felt like I wanted to go back to America where people were just more open. But that was the time that I met my wife, yeah. <laughs> believe it or not. Um, exactly that same week okay. that I decided to go back to America, I met my wife. And then um, ended up staying in the Philippines for another year, and then another year, and then another year. And uh, but yeah, it just we, we we've taken so many hits, but I'm so blown away with the power of the gospel because we didn't have a church church where I had a platform. I didn't do these sermons all the time on a Sunday, but it just spread by word of mouth and also via the internet. And so my friend was encouraging me, saying, Josh, it's crazy. Don't worry about it, because Jesus had only 12 people. <laughs> you know, it's like, but when, in my mentality before, 
I was like, oh, you need to have a platform. You got to speak at a mega church. Then thousands of people can hear it. You know, <laughs> but then when I stopped going to church, I was like, how will I get this message? And to be honest, it didn't even really cross my mind about like, I need to, you know, get a platform again. You know, it just, all I did was I just focused on my group of friends, which were about like 12 people at the time. And then it grew. And then it just spread. And I don't know how to explain it, bro, except it just, it is really by God's grace. Like I just, no, People, it's that, I mean, your, your explanation is beautiful. That is another life. Yeah, <laughs> so, that, that's that's so. just the that's just the story of Christ. I mean, it's the same way. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's pretty simple. Yeah. Just just uh, tell, talk to me a little bit a bit about um, about you you kept you keep referring to you know they I've got a I've got a phone call coming in. I wish I I wish there was a way to that's all good. just set those things to ignore. Uh, it's okay. There you go. I hit ignore. Um, so maybe it'll stop <laughs> beeping here in a minute. Anyway, so so talk to me about when you say healing. When you say we yeah. would heal the sick. Um, I mean, yeah. talk to me about what you've got the charismatic background where that was yeah. always something you were you were y'all were y'all were doing or attempting to do. Talk to me about yeah. about what that really looks like and. Uh, what does a what does a person like me who's who's kind of been never been in that world now i've 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 been yeah. to healing services i've 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 yeah. you know, i've looked and watched from a distance but uh yeah but hmm. usually it's the weird charismatic stuff not the uh sure. just relational sure. god doing something so talk to me about yeah. how how would you how would you uh be open to god about that if you were somebody in my shoes yeah, um, well, basically, there would have to be, like, a huge shift in how we view God's interaction with the world. Um, like, my view of God is not the very typical theistic God that's out there that you pray to God for healing. Like, I don't ask God for healing. Okay. And so my shift, my shift happened when I started to understand more about, like, our authority in Christ, our dominion that we have, where we could kind of make things happen. And so, like, people were even thrown off with my last video that came out called How to Heal Yourself. Okay. And so that be very offensive to say, how to heal yourself. You know, oh, God's the one that heals you. And so it's funny because people tend to separate you and God. And so I'm trying to show people, you know, not the traditional theistic version of God, that God's out there healing, but, but we are the ones that make things happen. So what I do is, is that what, what actually what I noticed when I was a kid, when I would go to all these um, healing crusades, miracle crusades, I was always, my, my perception was that there's these people that have these special gifting, you know, like he's quote-unquote anointed. And so I, I've had that mentality my whole life. But when I started to get back into healing back in uh, 2006, I had this huge shift. And I want to give credit to a man named John Wimber who was called one of the leaders of the Signs and Wonders movement here in America with the church called the Vineyard. I don't yeah. know if you're familiar with Vineyard. Hey, let me ask uh, you a question that, about just, that. Yeah, have, sure. Have you ever seen uh, the movie Frisbee? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Monty Frisbee? Yeah, I know yeah. that whole story. Oh, it's what a... Chuck Smith and Calvary Chapel. What, yeah, a, what an incredible story. It is very amazing. And uh, I really wish I met all those folks. I mean... You look at that simple dude, Lonnie Frisbee, with his life. <laughs> you know, people could, you know, look at critical Tell, tell me the guy's name again, John. Table. What was John John's Wimber. name? 
Okay. John Wimber, W-I-M-B-E-R, and he was kind of like, I guess you could say, the, the founder of the vineyard, so to speak, yeah. in uh, Anaheim, California. And um, I, I wasn't able to meet him because he already passed away. But right. when I started learning more about healing, um, the vineyard played a, a major role in my life because they started to hear my story. That I was um, starting to heal the sick, and so I started to join what is called healing rooms, where basically... Every week at their church, they have this room. It's kind of like a hospital. It's kind of funny. It's pretty cool, though, where, like, people wait outside of the room, and they come in to receive healing prayer. It's like you fill out a form. It's like you're at a hospital. You fill out a form of while you're there, and then you come in, and there's a, there's a team, several teams, where they lay hands on the sick. And um, amazing stories of people getting healed of cancer and things like that. I mean, that's what got me to actually become very, um, like, I'm not as skeptical anymore. Yeah. You know, like I used to be when I was in my whole apologetics world at the time. Right. Not that all apologists are against healing, but just my world at the no, time. No, I totally understand. And when I, yeah, when I started to see healing for the first time, like, coming through my hands, and they were very immediate, you know, where I wasn't asking God to heal, but I was actually commanding the healing to happen in their body. That's what blew me away, you know. And so, and just to let you know, I forgot to mention this. I was actually diagnosed with a certain disease um, in the early 2000s. I was diagnosed with a condition called GERD, which is called gastroesophageal reflux disease. It, it, it was a problem with my esophagus. It's like it wasn't uh, shutting properly. Like the tube in my throat, so I have all this acid in my mouth, and I had heartburn and chest burn every day for a long time. And um, so that, that scared me. That was a time that I wasn't into healing. Not only that, um, I don't know if you're aware of this too. I was also a break dancer. Okay. Um, I was a break dancer since I was a kid, and I injured my back um, okay. in the early 2000s. I had something called a herniated disc. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with yeah. that. So um, yeah, the discs in my my spine was all kind of jacked up, and uh, so uh, there was one time at one point in my life I could hardly even walk. Like literally, I could hardly walk, and I wasn't into healing at that time. Um, this was before I got into healing. I was very critical. Long story short, I was healed of those two things, totally. And so that was another shift for me where, you know, actually when I started going to the doctor and taking uh, medicine for my pain, you know, painkillers and getting physical therapy and doing acupuncture, I actually got worse. But it wasn't until I started getting into healing that I just kind of stopped all that stuff and I got totally healed. And so that, that, that's one of the things. It's like once you start to experience it for yourself, um, how can you not believe, right? <laughs> you know Absolutely, what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's when I started to kind of train people to go out there, that the best way to learn is not by reading a healing book. The best way to learn is to go out and do it. And it's finally when you first experience your first quote-unquote miracle, you know, it's like that's when you're like, bam, dude, this stuff is thinking real. You know, and it's <laughs> not like, it's not like, it's, cause even when I started doing healing in the beginning, I was a little bit skeptical because I only started off with back pain. And when people were starting to get healed of back pains, I was still a little bit skeptical because I was just saying maybe it's just psychosomatic. Yeah. You know, it's just mind over matter. But then when I started to see body parts grow, I would see legs grow. I would see arms grow. I would see, you know, our first healing in, the, in our church in the Philippines was a blind person. People being healed of cancer. You know, like immediately they were healed of cancer and they were like stage three, you know. And it's like, and these people were not even Christians getting healed of, of cancer and they're still not even Christians. 
but just seeing that the grace of God being able to heal a person, you know, in spite of whatever their theological perspective may be, <laughs> you know. And so, you know, we, we've been able to see these things, which, of course, one of the best ways that what, what really drives a person is not really their books, right? It's usually your experience. I'm willing to admit a lot of my experience does drive me, believe it or not, um, even though I read a lot of books. And, and that's what I'm trying to see. Can the theologies that I have in my mind match with my experiences that I have? And that's why when I started to understand grace for the first time, it was more like now I'm starting to just be honest with myself that God is a lot nicer than, than we think. Oh, I think so. You know, too. instead of all the stuff that I've been taught that God's not going to bless you because you didn't do this, yeah. you need to get out of sin before God heals you. No, that's not true. God, it wouldn't be called grace then. You so. said a minute ago, <laughs> it's not mind over matter. What well, if it, it is, that, that's my mentality before. What's so wrong now, with, what if sometimes it is mind over matter? And it is mind over matter. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm, I'm not against it. So okay. at that time, back in the early 2000s, I was, my mentality back then was I was very critical of mind over matter. I thought that's, that's not a supernatural thing. It's just the power of the mind. And because it's psychosomatic, uh, your condition is going to come back. I, but if you hear my, my teaching now... On quantum physics um, and it healing? It is mind over matter. Yeah, on quantum physics, it is mind over matter. And it's not a bad thing. <laughs> that, that yeah, okay, I, I'm with you. And I, I yes, it's, it, mind over matter is, it, you you might could say it's it's spirit over matter. Yeah, you, you could call it that. Uh, mind, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have the mind of Christ. And so right. if, if you say it's the spirit of God or the mind of Christ over matter, that's right. That's not that. That doesn't even sound as bad. It's 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 beautiful truth. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. so it makes it makes me. I, um, <laughs> I, I've I I have been. Um, I've always been somewhat skeptical of uh, of healing. At the same time, I've always been. Um, I have been very my. my my wife and she'll be real glad that I'm picking on her about this, but my wife, um, um, you know, she, she, she'll, she'll have, you know, some bump and she'll, her brain will automatically go, Oh, I hope this isn't cancer. I hope this. And I, and I say, don't say that. Don't, don't even, you need to say, Hey, it's just a bump. It's going to go away. I'll pop it. Let's move on with life. And so I have been, I have always been very much. And my mom used to tell me as a kid, Josh, now don't you pretend you got a broken leg, you'll break your leg. And you know, <laughs> there's some truth to that. There's some truth to right, right. when I when right. I have stinking thinking, it it does it does it it can mess me up. I mean it can it, it is yeah, it's almost, mind over matter in a bad way. That. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I wholeheartedly I agree with you. And that's what my, my teachings are about. One one of the things yep. that, that that I read the book The Secret. Do you do you remember the secret? It's a uh yeah, of course. Well, yeah. not it's Again, not a Christian like book it. at all. And I remember I, yeah, I was I, I was um, in in my Southern Baptist world. You know, people were preaching against it, so I said I got to read that. Yeah. So I quickly <laughs> went to the library and 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 checked out the book and checked out the video and I watched it. Yeah. And I went. Yeah. You know what? I think a lot of this stuff is true, and yeah, not I, that yeah, it's. I agree. Not that it's. Uh, 
it's true because it's tapping into what God has set up as as the right. law in this world. And and right. I had right. somebody yesterday say to me, uh, Josh, you're talking about the law of inertia. You're not talking about God's law. Yeah. And I wanted to say, yeah. seriously, you don't think the law of inertia yeah. is God's law? Um, <laughs> it so right. so. And I've right. told people for for years here. Uh, for you know, three or four years, the secret is true. Yeah, they just don't know who the yeah. secret is. Anything yeah. that they're doing yeah. through those 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 right attitudes and that positive thinking, right. they are that that is right. them tapping into the spirit of God. God is not right. holding back those good things just for Christians. They are available exactly. to anybody to tap into. Um, exactly. So so I'm a believer. Yeah, I agree with you on and a that. skeptic at the same time. Um. <laughs> uh, Sure, sure. I, and 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 my mm-hmm. skepticism, I hate, and I want to destroy it, and I want to live in truth. Yeah, um, yeah. So, hey, man, uh, what? what <laughs> I didn't a, know we were going to be talking about the secret. <laughs> say that again. I didn't know we were going to be talking about the secret. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. I had, I mean, I, it just it just popped into this conversation. Um, but yeah, um, it's all good. It's all good, man. Yeah, yeah it's all good. Um. So, so I'm trying to think where to go from here. I, I, I think that maybe, maybe this is a lot enough for people to digest right now. But, but I would, I, I'm, I can't yeah. wait when we end this conversation. At some point, I'm going to watch. Do Christians have a monopoly on God? What is, uh, I uh, clicked on yeah. quantum physics and healing to find that. Uh, yeah. And so, so it, yeah, it sounds like I, I, I'm guessing that we just preached that sermon here at the end of our conversation. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. That's yeah. pretty much what you're saying, kind yeah. of like with that whole, like when you were mentioning the, the Christians have a monopoly on God, it's just what you actually just said. Yeah. That God is not holding back just because you're not a Christian. There are these laws that are built into this world, and if you study more about like quantum physics and energy, you know, like, believe it or not, there are people, Christians don't even realize it, there is something called energy healing. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, but we do distinguish it from Christian healing because of the language, you know, but we are made out made up of energy. Uh, but people don't like hearing stuff like that, you know. So with my with my understanding of quantum physics and me reading books on those subjects and science and energy and talking to a bunch of people that are not Christian that do practice all you know different modalities and um, alternative medicine and people doing stuff like the chi, you know, in Asia that's a big thing. The chi, the okay. energy, yeah. or the, the life force. So I, I've looked into that stuff, and I I even have friends who. Their family, because they're Chinese, they're into all that stuff, and 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 I and I'm trying to see, can we all just say that we're all doing the same stuff? In some sense, it's just a different, it's just semantics, you know. And so, but there is a real energy that that's here in this world that that these laws that are built into this world. So I don't, I don't even make a, dis, a distinction between the natural and the supernatural. I stopped saying that for years. I don't yeah. talk about the supernatural anymore. I just say no. There's no such thing as a natural and supernatural. It's how do you perceive this world? That what you may call natural um, is not natural to me, or what you call supernatural is not supernatural to me. It's just naturally supernatural to me. Whatever you want to call it, right? Because no, I it's totally like understand. You, have you read yeah, whatever what, you can believe? Yeah. Have you read what we talk about when we talk about God? Uh, what we talk about? Oh, not yet. The well, book. yeah, that and he he's saying yeah. the same. What that that book is about? What you and I are just now talking about? I think he's, I think I think he did a yeah. good job with the book. Have you read other yeah. other books of his or? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, I read a bunch of Rob Bell yeah. books in the past. I, and I know about Rob Bell's latest one, how he talked about that. I just didn't read it. I think I just, like, looked through the table of contents or something like that. Well, you, you so, probably, uh, it, it's, you, there's probably not much need for you to read it unless you want to share it with others because it's <laughs> it's the same. I mean, it literally is what you're saying right. and what we're talking about here. It's, uh, unless right. you need one of those, right. you need an hour and a half to be to, to hear some cheerleading for what you're saying. That's what he's yeah. doing. He's, he's cheering that yeah. message on. Uh, yeah. I'm going to throw out a, a crazy notion, but, but if what sure. all you're saying is true and, and what we're talking yeah. about is right, yeah, something as crazy as some of the true elements of what Tom Cruise and those nuts are tapping into yeah. may yeah. actually be tapping into the spirit of God. Yep. Well, if you weren't in trouble before, that'll probably get you labeled as a cult, me labeled as a cult some more. Yeah. Um, Thanks a lot, Josh. Yeah. (laughs) We just pushed us. I've even shared that, too. I think you have people who are involved in Christian science or Scientology, you know, all those things. And, and, you know, the things that I used to condemn, um, some of the ideas I'm starting to embrace. Like, I used to stay away from the book A Course in Miracles. For many years, I don't know if you're familiar with that book. Um, of course, the miracles is like this one teaching about miracles that's very much like, you know, the the, the 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 stuff that we're talking about now. But I would see that in a bookstore, and I would just stay away that that's demonic. Yeah, you know. Well, but me too. I Absolutely. It, it's I've not one read of the it. coolest books that I've ever read. You know, I mean, if if you're if you're into the secret or stuff like that, the law of attraction or. You know, because believe it or not, this is the thing that's so silly that I find among Christians. They're so scared to read non-Christian material. And believe it or not, if they would just open up their minds to to just explore, we'll, you'll realize that we have a lot in common with a lot of these people that are considered some to be New Age or Christian Science or New Thought. Not, not we don't agree on everything, but there's a lot that we could say that we can share in common. But many Christians were just so willing to divide on these things. But honestly, they have a lot of the New Agers and a lot of the New Thought folks. A lot of them, they actually have this whole idea of of you know, this, the lie of separation is not even there. You know, or in in Christian theology now, this whole idea of separation is so ingrained in the mind of a lot of Christians that we're separated from God. And then, you know, when you say you're separated from God, or even before you're a Christian, you're separated from God, and then God, you know, Jesus Christ comes and, you know, kind of makes you and God okay now, you're not one. I'm telling people you were never separated from God. Absolutely. And that the only separation was only in your mind. Yes. You know, and so that's why I appreciate a lot of the material that were not Christian, and because um, they would talk about the oneness with God. Right. You know, or the, the, the union with God, and and and. That's something that I think a lot of the people within the inclusion camp, I think they do a very good job with that, because I think they're the ones getting that message out there in, in, in the Christian world. We now, what did you say, the, the people in right. the inclusion camp? Inclusion, in a sense, those who are preaching the message of inclusion, that all have been included and reconciled. Oh, gotcha. Okay, yeah. Yeah, in that sense, you know. And so I think that's the beauty of it all. And I'm glad to hear that you're reading some of those books out there that a lot of people would say taboo. Yeah, no, I, I read <laughs> The Secret years ago yeah. when I was still, I, I, I was still uh, in a Southern Baptist. I was still a minister on staff at a Southern Baptist church, and and that was yeah. My reading of The Secret was a secret. I didn't let anybody know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Uh, no, it's all good, man. You know. 
And so I, I applaud you for that. What and a great I, chat, I, I, man. I, I've so enjoyed talking yeah. to you. Um, oh, thanks. Come here. I'd love here, to do John. this. I, I wanted to, at some point today in this conversation, I don't think we'll get to it, but at some point I want to just talk about First Peter 1, 3. That. I, oh, sure. I opened my Bible yeah. when I got back. I was at the hospital this morning. I was listening to your message, and um, yeah. and on my ride back, I hear you talk about First Peter one three, and I yeah. pull into the parking lot and I walked in here, and one of the first things I did was open the Bible to First Peter one three, yeah. and and there's a verse in my Bible now that wasn't there yeah. the last five times I've read the Bible. <laughs> right, know, right, right. Then that ha- I mean, it happens that to was... me all the time. I'm like, how did I read oh, that yeah, and not see it? Yeah. yeah, and that's actually the verse, or that you know, when I make a statement about everyone being, that's actually the one that gets people the most. Then you know, makes them the most. In fact, I was there at a church on Sunday, right? And some people were visitors, and some people told me that the most uncomfortable statement that I made was to say that everybody's already born again. And the reason why I'm willing to go out on a limb and make people uncomfortable with that statement because I really feel like we need to have a shift of thinking. And a, and a change in our language, not to see people as an in-group and the out-group, and I we're so saved, agree. you're not, we're born again, you're not. I mean, the Bible actually says, as you've seen it there, that we were born again through the resurrection, and it wasn't when you believed. And so my understanding is that is that when you believe, it didn't change you from one kingdom of the devil, and now you're in the kingdom of God, is that when you're believing, you're now waking up in this reality, yeah. that you've always been there. Yes. You know, so it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, you know, I, t- so I totally I agree. I'm not gonna, yeah, and I'm not going to take away people's experiences when people say, oh, I was born again when I was 17. Yeah, sure, I mean, you, you experienced something, yeah. right? You, the love of the Holy, when you ask Jesus to come into your heart, but I'm telling you, Jesus is always already there. You just probably didn't know it yet, you know, and how do you even think you got to that point of asking Jesus into your heart unless he was already there all your life? But now finally you're getting it now. And you're letting go of the lies that he was never there until you do all these formulas. Yeah. You know, so, hey, God, so when did you get here? Thing. I've been here all along. You just hadn't, you've been ignoring me. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, uh, it just sounds so silly to think that your whole childhood, God was not there until you ask them into your heart when you're 20. Really? <laughs> you know, I mean, come on now. God's a lot bigger than you think where he holds all things together in Christ. And it, that, that, to, to me, you know, I, I spent like several hours yesterday at my university. Yeah that I graduated from, and I spent like three or four hours talking to an old friend who was so burnt out by religion, and when I was sharing this stuff to her, it's like she just wanted to cry. She was confused, but she wanted to cry because, you know, it was touching her so much, but this is not what she's been taught. Right. But to let her know that, hey, God is already inside everybody. All that changes your world. Oh, it's... It, this world would look... It, it would be a better place. Somebody should call it good news. Everybody. <laughs> and I think they already did. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, it, we, that's what I think that's what Jesus and the apostles are talking about. Yes. You know, and it's like, oh man, it, that's why, like I said, I applaud you, bro, and the people that you're getting on your podcast, dude, they're, they're solid guys that are just like, we we need people to speak up. And that's, that's when the change will happen, is when someone's able to speak up. You know, like, I, I really believe, like, you are God's mouth, bro. Oh. Or you're just like, you're just sharing God's heart in spite of all the criticisms of what you get. So I'm, I'm here cheering you on, bro. Man, and I, hey, I, I had you here and, because uh, I wanted to cheer you on, and I'm so excited. It's so, <laughs> hey, it's so much more fun to cheer on people that are that are that are telling yeah. the truth than to than to criticize people <laughs> who aren't. So 
I'm just going to ignore yeah. the people who aren't and, yeah. and just assume that God will even use even use those messages to to walk people right. toward the right. kingdom, toward the kingdom that yeah. they're already in. They just got to open their eyes and recognize it. Oh, I, hey, right. I've got a right. million more questions to ask you. Maybe maybe yeah. uh, maybe a little while. I'll email you some questions and maybe someday we can do this sure. again. All right, cool, man. I really appreciate it. Well, yeah, hey, th- th- thanks so much. All right, bro. All right, All right. You, you have a wonderful day, and I'll talk to you later. Cool, man. You too. All right. All, All right, right bye-bye. Well, the numbers are stopping. I, I I I shouldn't say anything because I'm I'm anyway, I just I I enjoyed talking to Joshua and I hope you enjoyed as much as I do and we'll talk more about it at another time. Um if you have any questions, comments, email me or or visit the or comment on the Facebook page or comment on on wherever whatever. Um thanks for listening. Uh my email is a place to talk at gmail dot or you can visit us at www.aplacetotalk.net or um, I think my Facebook is, is you know, whatever Facebook's address is and then forward slash talk to Josh. So um, have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Bye.